Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. episode 330 of The Sausage Factory. Hello! That starts with you a bit, doesn't it? Normally I say welcome, but no. Let's go with hello instead, yeah. Who am I talking to this week? Well, I'm talking to a chap called Richard Seabrook of C-Corp Tech about their puzzle stroke dexterity platformer, Kinetic Edge. Now, at this point, I could wibble on about Kinetic Edge and how interesting and odd and also fun to play it is. Also notice the poor grammar just used just then. It's getting even worse, isn't it? So clearly you can hear my voice that I'm slowly losing my mind. So let's just skip on and listen to me from the past talk to Richard, shall we? See, look, look, what's what's that? What? Yeah, just stop, please. Chris, take it away. Richard. Hello. Who are you and what do you do? I am a British developer on the south coast of England in Bournemouth. um, And I run a company called C-Corp Technologies. um, SCT for short. I'm trying to condense the name down because it was too long. Um, and we make video games. Uh, we have made three video games so far, and hopefully we're going to go on and make more. You have indeed. We're here to talk about Kinetic Edge, which we'll delve into in the second half of the show, at least in depth. And I do like the name of the company, but again, we'll talk about that later. Um, sure. it, 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 it does sound like, you know, welcome to Global Tech. We bring tomorrow hmm. today. What? That was that was the idea. Yeah, yeah, it's very much like you know you can see the logo, the three D logo spinning right <laughs> in true nineteen nineties yeah. fashion, which I thought was yeah. awesome. But, I did you know, want it's kind of evil backstory to it or something. Yeah, it's it's like the Clamp Corporation from Gremlins <laughs> too. You know that. Yeah, that, that, yeah that, exactly. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, it's and the big stupid statue of their logo outside their office. But yeah, <laughs> so we've now established who you are and the fact you work on the south coast. Excellent. Um, uh, how did you make your start making video games? Yeah, how did I start? So, for me personally, I, I started playing video games like really young, and that was it was mainly because I went to a school that was far away um, from my house, so I didn't really go out too much with my friends. So I naturally took to video games as I was growing up, um, just to kill some time after school, basically, and then. Uh, I started making video games because I started to get really annoyed that some of the games I was playing, uh, they just weren't scratching the itch. And I was like, oh, what, what if I made actually made the game I wanted to play? Um, I think that's probably where the spark uh, happened. And then that's when I started being like, hmm, okay, what do I actually need to do to do this? Um, uh, and then I started looking at, like, you know, book, back in the day, books. Um, 
and uh, started ordering books uh, online and stuff to just try and teach myself up and um, started heading that way through my school career and my education, um, basically to do various sorts of, uh, you know, video game uh, design, programming and all of that. Now, so that's kind of where the, the real, real origins were back when I was much younger. Right. So what kind of tools were you using? What kind of thing were you sort of... I yeah, mean, it so... Was, I mean, it was assuming it's high-level language stuff, isn't it? Well, so, yeah, so my programming skill is really, really bad. Um, I, I don't actually do that much programming anymore. I, I did start taking to C++ and C Sharp and all of those kind of things, but I'm much more visual visual side of um, things now. Like I like to do the design, I like to do the rendering, I like to make, to make sure the gameplay is good, um, and just really, I, I just really want to focus as much as I can on making the game really fun for people. Um, and I, I've admitted defeat on me becoming any kind of amazing programmer. But back in the day, I started, believe it or not, uh, looking at 3DS Max like 2010 or something. Um, and I learned all the, um, at the time it was like, uh, it was Photoshop and Flash and all of these other things. I know Flash is also consigned to the history books now, but, um, I started learning all sorts, but mainly I started, uh, tinkering around with Source Engine, Half-Life 2 Source Engine in 2003. Um, that's the, uh, that's where I really started, um, sinking a lot of time into Source Engine, hundreds of hours actually. Um, and so that's, that was really the, the, the start of my journey probably is um modern source engine yeah it's a it's a given birth to many a career yeah uh, including uh, mine mm, so yeah. uh i i still value I, I just think um we had a guest on last week actually about we we're talking about 1998 and how important that year was for video mm. games and it was a it was just ridiculous and his career mm. sort of kicked off at that time right, right in the middle of that mess and what a what a, what a what a what a year! And there's been similar years. 2010 was another one that was a bit of a corker. Mm. But uh, it, it, you're right. And all of a sudden, these tools started coming out that made it the act of creating games less painful <laughs> uh, yeah. than than they yeah. were. Because again, it was something we've spoken of a lot in this show. So I apologise for regular listeners. But in the early 80s, you need to be a computer scientist and have a hope of actually making a game that was yeah, functional. I've... Yeah, I feel so. that's really starting to fade away. Oh, you yeah. Could be, yeah. You can be computer savvy now and get yeah. away with it. You and don't, now, yeah. yeah, we've had guests on the show where they've actually, for reasons best known to them, good selves, have decided, oh, I wonder what it is like to make a game on the NES or mm. NES. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, have fun with that. They, 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 they do it. They do it. Mm. But it's like... Oh boy, you know, and it's just, you know, the, the tools and stuff available, you know, it's not, it's not, not the same. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but, um, and you, uh, you may know the history of this more, but I was speaking to my friends about Goldeneye the other day, mm. and someone said to me that apparently the only way they could make that game in 3D was by literally typing the coordinates for where they wanted, like, the graphics. So, like, where on modern day, uh, one day like interfaces you're like i'll just plonk that there plonk that there all in 3d they it was so so new they would be like right we want a block here so we need to type the exact coordinate for each corner for it to render properly so um i don't know if you know if that's the truth that's what i heard surprised me at all so i was just like wow okay that is incredible you know really 
like old timey times, they were using assembly or machine code, and that mm. was just uh, memory addresses. That's all it mm. is. There's no lot. It made no sense to anyone. Yeah. But it is just a series of of, of numbers saying if this logic statements upon logic statements upon logic statements that ultimately were if this memory address is this, then that one should be that. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's it. And this is that, and then that would do something to the screen yeah. or something or an act. Or, it's just really just like t- t- manipulating the actual <laughs> switches inside. Yeah, the head. and it's like that's how that's how low level. And no, now only driver creators really delve into that space, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, rightly so. So that's really cool that you've managed to you know start off like basically creating games on the mod and then sort of like working up from there yeah. here you are yeah, talking to me about yeah. making games so that's great and mm. it does mean that the the barrier of entry has been fallen some time ago um and that's fantastic so as a creator of things richard and you are and you can answer from uh, uh um for for um c corp or your SCT, as you prefer to call it, fairly enough. Uh, or you can answer it from your own personal experience, your own personal endeavours. But what do you believe are your biggest influences? Oh, that is a tough question. The first thing that came to my head when you said that is Hideo Kojima. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I will also put Half-Life in there, but I'll get on to that in a sec. But um, okay. Influence it, uh, you know what, actually, let's rewind even further. Red Alert. Oh yes, there you go. Big, <laughs> big influence on me. That right. that really um, that started the even further back than that Command and Conquer um, one. But um, yeah, that started the the strategy itch. That I love playing strategy games. I'm really right. a big strategy game fan. Um, so that had a big influence on me when growing up. And then um, Metal Gear Solid series. That really, I thought that was amazing. It was mm. amazing to be it honest was, at yeah. the time. I remember playing that on PlayStation 1. I was blown away. I just thought this is just a whole new level of entertainment on um, on this platform, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, even as a kid, I was just absolutely hooked. And I was like, this is better than anything, man. This is better than movies. This is better than music. This is better than anything I've ever experienced in terms of media, you know. Um, weird, weird game. To this day, yeah, it's still yeah. like, they yeah. were doing some weird stuff with that game. The oh, whole yeah. the, the story got really weird very quickly, mm. and it, you know, you know that's one of the only games I find myself going back to is the Metal Gear Solid series and just watching the game, being like, "What on earth? What, yeah, what was happening?" You, you can and see past the warping else. textures. Actually, that's part of it, isn't it? The warping yeah. weird twitchy textures. We yeah. know why they're doing that. That's how, that's how the PlayStation would mm. do textures. It, it, it mm. stretched them, and what, it, there's all sorts of reasons and maths mm. and physics as to why it did that. But mm. I, do, I, I do love the PlayStation. Actually, recently, I mean, I've always had a, I've had a PlayStation One, the little, the little dinky one they released, the last yeah. one they released, and I had oh, that. Right, yeah. I do, I do have that. But and with the screen as well. I don't know how I got that, but I do. And then I recently acquired a, a grey. Like PlayStation One for about thirty quid, yeah. Um, and it had a two-year warranty, and I went, oh, "I'll get one of those." And because yeah. uh, I had PlayStation games and stuff as well, and, uh, so I, I grabbed. It's an awesome machine. It's mm. so much entertainment from a small slab of plastic. <laughs> it is just, incredible, isn't it? It's just stunning, <laughs> stunning. Mm. Same with the PlayStation Two. Actually, I've got a small silver PlayStation Two, just slightly bigger than my hand. Yeah, and it's a it's an amazing just. Pours out 
these exquisite games, and I do mean that. Yeah. And it's just you're right. I mean, you know, Metal Gear Three was on PlayStation Two. It was, wasn't it? it yeah, that was. was a great game too. In fact, I loved all those games. I, yeah. I can't even think of one I, I don't wasn't that fond of really. But yeah, um, yeah I enjoyed them all. Um, yeah, then for me, obviously Half Life was a big. I, mm. I was a Half Life One, you know, Counter Strike original one point six. So I was that down in the trenches when all these things were like born, and um, yeah, loved them all. I just I, I think I got really lucky to and experience you, all of those they, things. What do they inspire you then? How are they they inspiring you as a creator? I think the the main thing that inspires me from them is the is just the ability to entertain people and give and just let people have a great time with something you've created mm-hmm. i think it's probably it, I, I have thought about this a few times it's pretty similar to being a chef when like you probably make a really amazing meal and until someone actually eats it and enjoys it and says hey that was really awesome i've had a great evening you know you don't really you don't really get anything from your work until that happens and when i when i start to play these games and i and i was thinking hey you know what it'd be really cool if I could make these things and people could enjoy them. And um, that's probably that's probably the biggest part of it, I think, for me, is actually um, the enjoyment people get from the products. Um, that's probably it. Yeah, the sheer joy of creating something that others enjoy. Yeah, it's what... Like, hmm. uh, don't get me wrong, there are days when you get, say, like negative reviews or someone's not happy or whatever. I think that's just part of life. But when you get the days where you go, you go oh, my God, look, we've got... Um, 20 positive reviews today or 10 positive reviews and you're like oh man that's all worth it we've actually mm. we've done really well we've worked really hard we've got to this point where you know we're happy with this thing to put it out to the world and when it comes back and it's it's doing well you're like oh wow you know what all that hard work and all the crunching late nights was worth it you know yeah so um yeah I, I, and especially when i see um on some some of my games like 100 hours played i'm like wow that's incredible you know um you know someone spent 100 hours on the game that's great you know yeah. really good yeah. stuff absolutely um, yeah so yeah that, i think that's probably it for me um mm. no yeah. it's this, this laudable um, thing that's this wonderful to say that the mere the mere act of making something that someone else can enjoy and and, and share with others is a great thing mm. so, yeah. yeah and and, and if you, i feel as well like from a business perspective if you if you don't achieve that then that, I think that always has to be the main goal with games. It always has to be the main goal. If you can't complete that goal, nothing else follows it. The the the, the finances won't follow it. Like it won't make money, in my opinion. You know, mm. if 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 people aren't having a good time, it doesn't matter about the price or whatever. Is if you if you don't meet that goal, people can't enjoy the experience. Then yeah. you don't have the foundations for anything, really. No, I mean... That needs to be the core. The always 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 the core idea behind the product and behind the game you know typically although i say although there's always a bloody exception there i mean mm. everyone i was just thinking of some games that like as there's argument like all games have to be fun like whoa where are you going with that sorry <laughs> so i yeah. didn't say that i've have heard that and i've had to take someone to the side and go don't don't say that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you know i've gone home was gone home fun mm. No. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, was um was uh, papers please. Mm. No. Um yeah. was well, indeed going further back was Oregon's trail really fun. Mm. 
Yeah. No, I think you fun... die of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think fun has to be broken down into many subcategories. It does, yeah. it does. So, um, but yeah. um, I was thinking that everybody's gone to the Rapture. Is a game that is mm. a game. Um, don't know. It's an interactive experience, but that's very you know pretentious. But I do like it a lot, but for more esoteric and broader reasons. Uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. I've said this to the developer themselves. I said, you know, there's something about that game that doesn't. The fact that the things it doesn't tell you are more interesting than what it does, mm-hmm. uh, because you have to fill in the gaps. Yeah, that, and uh, there's no right or right, wrong answers to those. You filling that's up to you. Mm. And that to me was what that game, that experience was about. Mm. Was that fun? No. <laughs> <laughs> was, was was it intellectually stimulating? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I mean, what, I hear what you're saying. You're using terms and phrases like has to be engaged, entertaining. Yeah, you, you did use that word, but I was gonna. My retort would be: Does it engross you? Does yeah, it interest you? Mm. It's a much broader thing. And even then, I'm just, it's, you know, do you find intellectual stimulus from playing Rocket League? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes well, that's when I it, hit, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, right. or indeed, do you get that from playing Four Guys? Mm. Sometimes. Yeah. Usually it's just you're yelling at your screen going, Why won't you do what I'm asking you to do? But the point is <laughs> yeah. it's clumsy, it's it's gang beasts all over again. But anyway. Yeah. Next question. I think I know the answer to this, or maybe I don't. <laughs> maybe I okay. don't. Usually the previous one follows this one, but sometimes it doesn't. What developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Oh, that is a tough question. Um, oh yeah, that's sort of warned you. They get worse. As we yeah, suck like a video uh, game. It's a mini boss yeah. halfway through. <laughs> oh, okay, at least I'm ready. I'm ready for it now. Um, yeah. What developer? Wow. It might. It can okay, be a company so... or a group of people or someone. Yeah. I don't yeah. mind. Oh man, they, 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 see, there's so many good developers out there, and indeed. Oh, I mean, is there one particular yeah. one? They go, you there, you carry on doing the thing that you're doing. It's awesome. I probably have to say Creative Assembly uh, and Total Wars. I just, I think they, uh, although although that I think they have some shockers at launch, like when games aren't as high quality as they could be. I think generally, um, I think generally their games nine out of ten times um, are really entertaining, and really good, and it's consistent. Um, so yeah, I think Creative Assembly do a really good job. Um, and I, I also, I have to just say, I know. This is going to probably be a bit um, controversial. I'm going to say Valve. Um, and no, no, it, no. Valve made my game of 2020. Yeah, well, yeah, what, uh, Alex? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I do. I will have to say Valve, and people might say I have a vested interest because I'm on their platform, or whatever. But it's just no. generally, I think, um, I think they are great developers. I just think they only make moves when they feel confident they can, you know, get a nine. 9.5 out of 10, really. You're like, absolutely smash it out of the park. And As evidenced most, by Alex, yeah. Yeah, most of the time. Um, again, there's exceptions to everything. They, they do are, do that. Yeah. So, um, so I think, yeah. Um, and they bring entertainment to millions of people. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting. They, they've coupled the having a platform and also being a game developer. I think that's a good thing. So I would definitely um, put them up there. Um, uh, yeah, I see I could, no, go, great. I could go on for ages on different. No, no, we could, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the two main ones from my personal experience and what I play. Right. Um, 
So yeah, that's probably the two main main ones I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think the marriage of Warhammer and Total War has been. I like them. Yeah. Um, not everyone does. I grant you that, but mm. I just love the ridiculousness of Warhammer. And the fact that here's the Total War engine trying to be all terribly serious and modelling phalanxes and stuff, and all of a sudden now it's Greenskins yeah. screaming, "Wah!" Yeah, and like, oh, that doesn't it's work just, anymore. It's just a whole no. universe, isn't it? I love it. It I is. It's yeah. massive. It's just you can just sink hours and hours and hours into learning everything, and it's I know really people massive. who do. I know people mm. who do, and the third one's coming out soon as well. So, yeah. fair play to them. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't see them ever doing that for. 40,000 because that doesn't work 40,000 mm. isn't a vast it doesn't because the whole point of 40,000 is it is a small squads of of things or I mean the, the great army yeah. sort of attack it doesn't work because you just nuked from orbit so but okay well the last question for you for the first half is this now we are a video game based podcast therefore I'm almost legally obliged potentially to ask you this question what are you playing right now? Oh, another toughie. Um, right now I am playing. I'm playing a lot of Company Heroes two. Um, I play. I play that most most nights actually. Um, yeah, Company Heroes two is probably my go to, and Insurgency uh, Sandstorm. So I have a bit of strategy, bit of FPS, um, and they're probably my two go tos, uh, mainly because. It's mainly because I'm busy all the time, so I like to be able to hop on a game that I can be like, right, I can play this for a couple of hours, and I don't, you know, I can leave and come back, leave and come back, and you can do that on both of those. So it suits suits my kind of like developer lifestyle well in a way. Yeah, Company of Heroes is an extraordinary, extraordinary yeah. game. I mean, I just love the fact that the whole resource thing is not based on you building stuff; it's you yeah. acquiring um, territory. Yeah. I mean, that's really broad, and I know you're probably grimacing at me saying that, and there's way no, no, more no, to no, it, it, but it's, it's, good. it's true that it's, uh, I mean, I know Dawn of War, at least the first one, I'm not, I can't remember the second, if the, anyway, the Dawn of War's had a similar, similar Dawn of War's great, Dawn of War's yeah. absolutely great, I, yeah. I really, um, I was actually speaking about this with my friends the other night, I just was saying, you know, that game, that game has got almost 100% positive, it's, I just think, like, why would you not just remake it so I know. Enjoy it, yeah. you know yeah uh, it's like once you've got the perfect formula just yeah. you don't have to touch it anymore you've created the you've created perfection you know yeah. there's no point trying to touch it now no. you know you, you you did it well done just yeah. just well, update <laughs> you know you don't need to do anything else i mean relic you you made homeworld as well come on <laughs> yeah I'll, t- I'll give you a perfect example command and conquer uh, remastered yeah you know yeah. It's like it's a no-brainer. No, no one wants. I did to see someone in. streaming it, yeah. and they were like, they had like the the full map on display. They weren't actually moving. They weren't because the resolution was massive. Oh right, you yeah. Just had the whole thing. Like, and I actually put, you know, a type in Twitch because I'm not a passive watcher of Twitch. To be I'm engaging mm. with the streamer. I'm going, what are you doing? It's just oh, I, I can't, I can't. The scrolling is just, it's just mm. as easier. This is the point. <laughs> yeah, this yeah, definitely. Point. Start playing like what you know. Oh, sorry, playing Warcraft with you know big zip. What are you doing? No, Just, you know you've got to click on in peons and say more work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think I think Dawn. Of, I would love another Dawn of War to come out like the first one. It'd be great. I'll be on that all the time. Yeah. But um, but for so now, drop pods. Drop pods. Oh, they were great, weren't they? 
it was just so cool because you know what so i think I, I used to actually do tabletop warhammer as a as a proper geeky kid that i was mm. and when when it transitioned to you know the video game world i was like oh my god this is amazing not only is it amazing that i don't have to drop ten thousand pound on figurines now yeah and yeah. also i can just play warhammer all the time multiplayer yeah. it's wicked <laughs> and uh you know it was just it hooked me straight away i played it i must play that game for thousands of hours all the dlcs a lot you know mm. um mm. but until until that comes until the next one comes around company heroes I, company Heroes is a really deep game it's way yes. deeper than i initially thought um yes. i think you only realize that after you play a couple hundred hours you're like wow there's really a lot of strategy to this um and yeah, it can be quite daunting when you reach oh, that yeah. sort of you reach that corner and you go, oh, I've got this. I know this is just yeah. do this. The, oh no, that doesn't work. And when you're playing with others or your 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 teammates, you go, we told you to do the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought this yeah. would be more. I was using my initiative. Do yeah. not do that. <laughs> yeah, you know you what do... I noticed as a developer. Yeah. The balance, the balance of that game is on a razor edge, not even a knife mm. edge. It's like a razor. No. The minute, yeah. the minute something is like, you know, a couple of digits out, it's like the game's totally unbalanced. And it's, I, I, although I would love to make a game like Company Heroes, I can only imagine the balance is some kind of outrageous mathematical formula mm. because it's, it's so, so fragile um mm. that they're always tw- tiny tiny tweaks you know yeah. to make it perfect mm. um, it's been too yeah. long since i played it last thank you for reminding me of his existence yeah it's yes yeah, yes yeah, it's just my go-to and then insurgency mm. i have to shout out um mike who is the lead game dev now okay he, um he's an awesome guy actually and um he helped me in one of my first games and uh yeah i, I think that game's also awesome it's uh it's I take. I think so many of the FPS games. Um, I'll give you an example. Like uh, Siege, I love playing Siege. Me and my mate love playing uh, uh, Siege. But then it kind of went. It turned into like Dota. I feel where there's just so many characters. I was like, I have no idea what's going on here. Whereas I like it a bit more uh, realistic, you know. Um, so Insurgency was the, the next go-to for me when we wanted an FPS that wasn't um, too crazy. Uh, oh, you've got this ability, that ability, this ability, and before you know it, you're just you go away for a month, you come back on, you're like, oh my god, I'm totally behind the time here. I've got yeah. no idea what is happening. I don't happening know how to play game. this game. What is this? this? Yeah. Sie- Siege pushed me out as a player. Mm. It pushed me out because it was like, if you're not in for the ride, yeah. you, you're going to hop back on and you're going to have 50 new characters to learn. And I was like, I just, I don't, I've not got a clue what's going on anymore. No. So um, I just ended up bailing. And I wish I didn't have to do that because I love that game, but that's just what happened. And then ultimately, yeah insurgency for me and my mates is the go-to because it's like oh grab a gun and it's down to your skill so go for it and that's mm. why that's my second go-to yeah okay yeah great um i haven't played a lot of uh, multiplayer games recently i've just been uh, too much uh i don't know just like delving into big sort of sweeping single player sort of uh, action adventure games which is fine yeah. which is fine uh, and then, you know, but that's what it is. So, that's the end of the first half. Well done. Let's move on <laughs> Thank you. to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Kinetic Edge.
So, before we can do delving into <laughs> a game that we're here to talk about principally, we need to know what it is. So, Richard, in your own words, best of luck with this, because I, I, poor man. Uh, well, you you made it, so I'm sure you can figure out how you're going to describe it. But yeah, off you go, off you pop. Kinetic Edge, what is it? It gets easier after you've said it like 500 times. Yeah. I really, like, you know what? At first, I was like, when I first said to someone, what is it? I was like, oh my yeah. God, I don't know. And now, <laughs> like, I've got it down to a T. So basically, it's a compendium of of small mini games that you can have fun with your friends on in multiplayer. Um, and we wanted to just make a fun game in a short amount of time that you could hop on and play with your mates. And that's it, really. It's physics platformer. Um, it's got multiple game modes, like... Uh, golf and race arena all of that kind of stuff we kind of drew inspiration from all the all the party games that people love playing um and we thought you know what what if we could just do like a little uh, like a collage of these games and mm-hmm. you can just hop on and you know spend time with your mates playing all these different game modes uh, and that is connect edge okay well yeah. we we'll delve into that sort of how that came about later but before before we do that let's talk about Momentum. Mm. Uh, so we're not talking about the. Uh, it's not politics, everyone. Just the act of momentum, <laughs> not not physics. Let's not, put it. Put stop it. Put keyboard warriors. No, let go. It's all right. You're good. So it's it's critical to the success mm. of navigating around the environment that you find in Kinetic Edge. I mean, it mm. really is. If you really respect it, both it can help you and hinder you marvelous that way it's what the best physics games really do that's like yes you have a momentum how can you exploit that or indeed avoid it to stop you from tipping over the edge mm. how have you found designing the environments that people find themselves in and knowing that the player will exploit this fact to the utmost um I think I made my peace with it, honestly, that um, that's going to happen. I, I think mm. as you can only, to some degree, um, allow the freedom for people to see what they want in that environment. And then um, I think it was important in the design of that game to be like, okay, people are going to do whatever they want to get to the end, really. Um, and the minute we take that option off the table, it comes in it turns into a shoehorning exercise of right take this away take that away they can't do this they can't do this and i think we just sat down and we were like you know what we don't want to go down that road let's um let's allow people to just try and figure it out in their own way and just give them challenges along the way um and i think that's probably one of the core design principles we had on that Um, that's what i wanted to tease out you the idea that yes you know players are going to be really good at this and that's fantastic Mm. And there's going to be others who are going to be not so great, who are going to mm. you know, find themselves falling behind, and mm. there's still going to have to be a balance. Again, we're talking about balance here, but this is about physics and the ability to exploit something and go, oh, I can actually roll and teeter along the edge a little bit and uh, and then sort of uh, drop into the checkpoint without realising it, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. And that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's lovely. Um, I mean, that's one of the things I got really excited about when playing kinetic edge is really like oh i wonder if i could do that <laughs> you know yeah. try to find you know there's no racing line mm. you know, whereas yeah in most most racing games because there's a race mode in kinetic edge and that's the like, mm. base mode i don't want to say base mode because it's the the whole game is its own base and we'll talk about that later mm. but it's just um you know it, this isn't gran turismo not is there anything wrong 
with those games. I mean, they're fine <laughs> before yeah. you start yelling at me. But, you know, there is a racing line of sorts in Kinetic Edge, but it just happens to be above your head as opposed to <laughs> or somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, it's really, very clever. But um going to talk about the interaction you have with the object that you're moving around with, which, by the way, is typically a sphere or ball, if you like, mm. but it can also be other shapes as well. And, I mean, I'm not going to delve into that. That's just a facet of the experience. It's part of the dexterity, a part of, you know, you find yourself on a disc and you're rolling around on the edge of that disc if you can pull it off, and that's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I just want to talk about the ability to move outside of simply forward, back, left, and right. Mm. That being jumping and dashing. There's also a boost as well, or a blast, I should say. Mm. They have an economy attached to them. Yeah. So jumps have an economy. Uh, you can do a double, but then in order to do it again, you have to wait for the cooldown. Similarly mm. with dash, there's two. You get two, and then you have to wait for the cooldown before it can be used again. And the the second one makes more sense, because otherwise you just elevate yourself and then it dashes way infinitely around the map. <laughs> yeah, and then you're away, yeah. Yeah, you're away. It's just a waste of time. Whereas, you know... Double jump, I can see the clues in the title, everyone. But um, why? Um, why the cooldown? Why? Why the limit of those yeah. powers? So Just now, now I have to that. be a hypocrite and and almost uh, revoke what I said two minutes ago. But um, in that was probably the only place where we needed to curtail because it was it just came to the point where it was like if you can do this like instantly, infinitely, all the time, um, then then we we are totally out of any idea of how this will be played. I guess, yeah. I guess the thing yeah. was, it's like, where, where do we land it? So it's like, people will have complete freedom, but not complete freedom. <laughs> so it's kind of like, uh, we, if we don't know at least some constraints, we can't design the experience. So if we know a rough ballpark, but we know people can still have the freedom to what they want, then we, we've got a 80, 90% chance that we know if we make a level like this, it'll probably be played like this. That always goes out the window. <laughs> like, cause then you watch a let's play or whatever, you watch a video because I'm playing it, you're like, wow, I can't believe he's doing it or he or she's doing it like that. No idea. Can't believe that happened. Um, but, um, that's probably reason number one. And then reason number two is, um, making making challenges and injecting the challenge element into the game has to have a basis and if we didn't have a basis to build upon when it comes to um right we need this platform here and this platform here how are you going to get there well you've got a double jump but if you mess it up you got you you need to get the double jump right you know so it, it, you start to flesh out those mechanics and those um you know experiences in the game um by having something that you have to master and if you haven't mastered it, you can't continue. Um, and it's about building that mastery all the way to the end. Whereas, so, whereas, like you know, if we just didn't have that, it'd be like, oh, you can just just smash buttons and off you go, you know. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And then once you get to the end of the levels, usually they're harder at the end, so you should have mastered everything on the way up or to the end of the race, or you know, by the end of um playing in arena or golf or whatever you know you've had all of these little lessons to learn and um all these little things to master so you have that curve of of ability as a as a player basically um mm. so yeah i think that's probably 
probably the reasoning for it. Yeah, sense of rhythm. Hmm. Respect the experience and, you know... Yeah, it's a good question. Hard. Yeah, it's just um, everyone has their own way of dealing with it and um, hmm. I think you're, you know, limiting the player's ability to move then says, well, okay, well, how can I do this? How can I get around this situation? So, yeah. you know, how, how, and, what can I do within these limits? And in, in, in a way, it's kind of um, ironic because the limit creates the creativity because... Um, that's the, and that is where the design balance comes in because it's like if we put this limit in, someone has to figure out how to get around, not necessarily get around the limit, but use the limit to complete the task or complete the um, objective ahead. So, mm. so at, by saying, "Hey, here's this limit on this thing," you've got to figure out how to get there. Um, if we didn't have that limit, there would be no figuring out. There'd be no process there. There'd be no like, how do we get to from point A to point B, you know, if you've got a, um, you know, if you've got an infinitely moving rocket ship that can't be stopped, then there's no challenge there, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah. by injecting those mechanics and by injecting those mechanisms, it actually creates a, a better experience for the player, even though we are to some degree limiting what you can do. Um, the limit creates the creativity, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had uh, on the show late last year about a, a, a game called Wavy the Rocket. Sure. And that was a sine wave, <laughs> and you had to manipulate sure. the frequency and the amplitude of this wave. Yeah. And that's the only way you could control the vehicle. It's the only way you, could, you can't directly interact with it. It's always going to follow that wave. It's always going to follow that line. Yeah. So you will change that line, and it's all you can do. You have to change the line. Um, yeah. And similarly with kinetic edge, I found that was like, yeah, it's just you. This is what you got. Mm. Work with it. Uh, and uh, initially it can be quite frustrating, but then once you've got master it, it's quite uh, it's quite liberating. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, I uh, the next question I have for you is this: um, there are different modes I've already hinted at in Kinetic Edge, and they're quite contrasting, aren't they? I mean, there's there's a golf game. There's um, uh, there's the race game we spoke about. There's the gauntlet. There's the maze, um, and yet they use the same building blocks of the core game itself. Mm. How did this come about? Okay, I'll say exactly how this came about. This came about because I was playing games like uh, Golf It. I was playing other games where I was like, "This is really fun." Um, having a great laugh with my mates, and uh, you know what? It probably came about because also because of um, the pandemic, uh, believe it or not, because we were all stuck at home and we were all like wanting something to play, um, and we were hopping on you know loads of different games. And I was thinking, you know what? It'd be really good if we just had all these games in one, um, and you could just be like, oh cool, we have a we have a Friday night where we uh, hop on Discord or hop on the chat program and we would then go and play one of these games for a couple of hours and i was like what if we put them all together and you could just basically be like cool let's hop on kinetic edge and we can play loads of different games all night um and that's when i sat down i was like that might be a really good idea actually and then i thought to myself can we actually do it can we put all of this together in one like compendium almost um and I sat down for a week and I thought, you know what? Uh, I think we can. 
And I think if we base it around all these different, if we base it around this core element of having shapes or just having um, certain things you can put in certain levels for you to play as, we can do it all. Um, I was like, but the only way, the only way we can do it is it because like, there's no way we can do custom artwork for all these games, right? There's just no way we can do custom artwork for all these different modes. And like, we can't have, a, we can't actually have a, a racing game. We can't actually have a golf thing. Like, it's just, it's impossible. Like, we're basically making seven full games, right? Or something. So you can't do that. So it's like, if we can have some kind of awesome Neon Tron style game that encapsulates everything, then we can make it all. Mm. Um, and that's how we got to it. Uh, and that's based, that's it, to be honest with you. That's fantastic. I mean, it's, it's, there's something similar in uh, board games. There's a, pyramid board game look it up um basically they've got 30 games in one box yeah all based on the same components small yeah. plastic pyramids that all sit and fit in, in in each other and they have different little boards and stuff like that but ultimately it's a great cornucopia of of games that you can play out the box because of just the same components just different games from them yeah uh, akin to a pack of cards the ultimate the ultimate kit of a standard <laughs> deck of cards, you can play all sorts of games. Yeah, that's through it. Through such, and this is what you're doing, trying to do a kinetic edge. It's, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful endeavour. And I just wanted to ask about, and that was the that's wonderful way of being inspired. Like, I want to play all these different types of games, but why is it? Why do I have to go from one thing to the other to do that? Why can't it be encapsulated into one thing? Mm. And we can just jump. I mean, it's just like, you know, when I used to play poker a lot i don't do that anymore but so when i was yeah. much younger i used to play and we would have what we call dealer's choice yeah and they would then choose a variant of poker still poker mm. but it'd be a variant of mm. it there's many different variants of poker contrary to popular belief most people think it's texas hold'em no that is yeah. a variant of poker there's many many different types of poker yeah uh, still same rules still flush and you know the, the, yeah. the scoring of the cars is still the same it's just how you get it, how they're delivered to you and how yeah. much you expose what you have versus what you what everyone else you know that's kind of stuff so yeah. that's that's crazy yeah. and what you're trying to do here is with, it's very similar and i know it's not quite as vast and old of course but it's still you know the same principle so yeah, yeah. it's great it's a really good idea it's um, Slight digression on, on your poker story. You won't believe mm. this, but I was playing Texas Hold'em once, and um, I got a, a quad kings twice in a row, <laughs> and uh, that's the best best poker experience I ever had. So I got dealt, wow. two, dealt two kings in my hand, and then two, two kings, kings went down on the floor. Yeah. And yeah. then the next round, dealt two kings, two kings down on the floor, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, oh my god, this is absolutely <laughs> my night tonight. <laughs> yeah, it would also be, and yeah, cheating. No. It's just no, no. And yeah, no. I think we looked we looked at the odds up and it was like sixteen million to one or something ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, wow. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Sorry, wow. don't digress there, but no, that's rem- fine. Re- Reminded me of that story. I remember we used to have little like house rules um, when it was during Christmas time. We like we'll play at Christmas and we'll have like the highest hand is three kings. What? Mm. It's just it's just, no. <laughs> yeah. And the, the, you know the Queen of Hearts was mm. Mary, so she's wild. What? And no matter what game we we're playing, she was always mm. wild. Like, no, I've got four, you know, I've got four, like five of a kind or something. No, yeah, but mm. look, there's Queen. Look. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's just got really, it's just ridiculous. There's other yeah. silly little rules we had 
And uh, but yeah, I think the funniest one was Three Kings being the highest hand. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the highest hand until someone's got a better hand, then it's war. Yeah, and then then it then becomes more. It's like yeah. well, the, the, the math doesn't work. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then since since when did poker have anything to do with maths? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's all about you know, just bluffing. That's all it was. Uh, yeah. That's all it is. It's, it's a, always about bluff, isn't it? It's a social game. People yeah. don't realise that you have mathematicians play it, and I, and I had great delight in taking money from them because they think, oh, I've got this. Like, no, because you can't read my yeah. mind. You can't possibly yeah, have what, that. Actually, like, one, uh, one time, know. the other story I had a poker story was uh, was in London. I was like, you know what? I played a lot of poker when yeah. we were in this casino in London. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down at the poker table. I'm going to be a player. And I was wiped out in about ten minutes. Yes, <laughs> yes. I was like, okay, I am not, I am not a professional poker player. No, no. no <laughs> I no. just got chewed out, absolutely yeah. chewed out. Yeah, yeah. And I was gone. Out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, uh, last question. We could sure. talk about poker, but last, <laughs> last question for for you, Richard. Um, on the ground, there are what I call wipeout boosters. Mm. This is when I first encountered boosters when driving around in it. That might, that might have occurred elsewhere in other video games. Forgive me, but Wipeout's most famous for having little boosters. I mean, F-Zero, okay, fine. But I did have an, a SNES, so, mm. you know. <laughs> Point is, things that are on the ground, chevrons on the ground, indicating that, oh, you can go faster there. Yeah. However, sometimes you really don't want to go anywhere near them. Mm. <laughs> because actually throw you into areas you really shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and they become hazards rather than aids why did you adopt this 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 philosophy in some of the, the levels and that sometimes what you deem to be an aid turns out to be um something you should avoid why was this adopted um because i didn't i wanted people to almost learn that it was kind of like a fire like it can help you in situations but you can also get burnt so i wanted people to not get complacent where they just go oh just head for the head for the booster head for the booster head for the booster all the time because there's these games where everyone just beeline straight for the power up just go for it go for it go for it all the time yeah so, right, yeah yeah so, it's meant to be teaching you the racing line yeah but so this I, is this you know connect sorry that's okay. kinetic edge doesn't have that that's no. the point. Yeah. It's not about a racing line, really. I know we mentioned it earlier, mm. but it's more about thinking about what you can do given your current circumstances. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. And I, I just, did, I just when I was playing it, because I play the, I play the games so much. Like I said to, I said to my team, like, look, I kind of want to, I want you to help me make them, but I want to spend most of my time playing it, so I know that the best product we can make is going out. Um, so when I was playing it, I was thinking, you know what? Just using the booster to get to places all the time. You just head straight for the booster. You see it on the ground. You go straight there. And it's like we need to um, need to be able to mix this up a bit. So people have to keep their eye on the ball. They've got to keep they've got to keep thinking. They can't just keep going straight to the booster and they're off, you know. So I thought, you know what? If we if in some scenarios. We just rotate the booster, so it's going to send you backwards or send you sideways. Um, it means that people have to keep paying attention, and it's not just go straight here, you'll get the power up. It means that you've got a race, but you've also got to pay attention to exactly what you're about to run into, or um, could be a disaster, basically. So 
that's pretty much why I did that. I think it's probably just to make sure the player is not getting complacent throughout the level. It just keeps them switched on all the time. Um, the ones know where you are it. and where you're going. Mm. That's that's really important for, for me in playing kinetic edge. Is always know where you are and where you're going. Um, because by doing that, uh, you don't slavishly go to. Sometimes they are helpful. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're really not, and they're just trying to make life worse for you. Make it. And one, mm. some of them are quite devastating. Like I'm just going to throw you up here. Oh, this is a new platform. No, it's not. Should I be up here? Not really. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sort of spoil it, but there's a particular earlier level that's uh, like, oh look, there's this big lift here. Let's go up here. No, oh, never mind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because you you're just programmed after so many decades of video games. You see a chevron on the ground, it's shiny and green and, and yeah, pretty. absolutely. There you go. Oh, is. I'll go with that. No, don't do that. Oh, there's definitely some psychological reinforcement there, isn't there? After all yeah, these years, yeah. so many games have yeah. the same thing. And I think you've yeah. got to mix it up a little bit. I really do. Mm. Like, I think yes. um, I, I've always said to um, I've always said to people in our team, like. Um, we will never, ever, ever, ever take too much inspiration from any other game because it has to be fresh. So if it's not fresh, there's no point. There's no mm. point. I was like, it, and it's not good for us as a business. It's not good for us uh, for players because you know you want to give people a new experience and you want to give people a fresh experience. Otherwise, they might as well just go and play the other game. You know, yeah. whatever yeah. one you're ripping off. So it comes a point where I'm like, oh, cool. If you got, if you had a good experience from another game, by all means draw it down on paper and we can discuss what was good about it and we can hopefully take some inspiration out of that but uh, uh, then I kind of say to people like now everyone stop playing games because we're coming up with new ideas now when you know no one it's, it's kind of like I um, when people say oh um, did you get inspiration from XYZ game yeah a little bit but the minute I've got the spark I'd stop playing them because I actually don't want the influence I don't want any more mm. from that you know I want to be. I almost force myself to stop playing games for a long time, so I'm forced to, you know, make that experience a new one. Um, okay. And then, okay. then the influence has to be stopped, you know. Otherwise, it will end up being too close to other games. Um, yeah. And I find that by doing that, um, and just by getting into the zone and not playing those other games, or or going on like a little games hiatus where I'm like not playing anything, um, it makes me come up with more creative ideas that haven't been done mm-hmm. before, or or you know, well. To some degree, anyway. I haven't invented a new genre, but you're just at least elements that are not necessarily um, super common, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, it's a laudable ideal. And, um, yeah, going outside the norm has mm. been, it's, it's fine. I mean, I don't know why it's suddenly popped into my mind, but look at Cuphead. There, there's a game yeah, that people yeah, thought, yeah. hey, no way he's going to, no way, no way they're going to finish that. Look at that animation. Mm. No way. And they did, eventually. Mm. And uh, that's a game that uh, breaks a lot of rules. But, uh, mm. you know, and Super Meat Boy is another one as well. It's a classic. You know, yeah. this makes it really hard. Really, really hard. And to the point yeah. it revels in it. It laughs at you. To the point mm. where it gives you trails of when you've failed over and over. But the point is, you could still do it. You knew what you mm. had to do. You just mm. had to time it just right split second mm-hmm. and that's what they've you know the game reveled yeah. in this is breaking that rule and 
and and also the the magic of the fact that you when you died you restarted instantaneously. Yeah. So the 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 level of punishment for death was pretty low, mm. and that's that's quite important. So did all you ever these play, little things. Go on. Did you, I was going to say, do you ever play getting over it with Bennett Frolley? No. Oh, that is a hard game. You should check that out. Okay. <laughs> It's a bit, a bit ridiculous. <laughs> I'm here plugging someone else's game, but, but um, in the interest of fairness, um, yeah, yeah, getting over it with Bennett Frolley. You like this dude in this cauldron, and he's got a hammer, and he's got to like climb up. He's just got to keep climbing, and it's one of those games where you're saying like it's outrageously hard, and it revels in it. Um, right. And yeah, you know, from a developer perspective, um, I think if you're making a hard game, you got to go eleven out of ten you got to go 11 out of 10 hard or don't bother because I've, I've made games that are like hard and then people just moan about it because they think, Oh, this is too hard. But if you make, if when you're designing a game, if you're like, right, before you start, this game's really hard. Like it's really hard and you're probably going to fail and you're probably going to rage. Once Mm. you say that to people, once you prep them for the uh, experience that's coming, they seem to love it. It's the, the difficulty thing is a really, 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 I could talk about that for an hour alone, you know? Hmm. It's so strange because you get these rock hard games and that people are like, this is amazing. But if you tone it down to like a seven out of 10 hard or an eight out of 10 hard, people just go, oh my God, that was so hard. I didn't have any fun. And it's like, oh, hmm. whoa, whoa, that's really weird. Because if you crank it up to 11 out of 10, it becomes yeah. fun again, <laughs> you know? No, I mean, if a good example of that is um, if you play Doom at the highest difficulty level, it turns into a different game. Yeah, yeah. Very, very different game. So, yeah, I have a principle so, yeah. of trying to do dooms on the hardest uh, level. Oh, you do. So you know what I'm talking about then? Sorry, I yeah. didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah no, I, yeah. You know what I'm talking oh. about then? It's 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 a different game. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah and people start. I say to me, I say to my friends, like, oh, that's really, really hard. Um, almost too too hard sometimes. I thought the first doom had the max difficulty spot on. Um, because right. I go straight to max difficulty. Um, but I think the second Doom, I think that was just, for me, even as someone that completed the first Doom on the harder setting, um, not the, not the, um, setting where if you die once, you go back to the start. I can't hack that. No way. But I can hack the one where you can still carry on, you know? Mm. Uh, but yeah, the second Doom for me was, uh, that was too hard, actually. I just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. <laughs> it just, just beat me down. <laughs> beat me down yeah. good. Oh, well. So, Kinetic Edge is yes. its name. It's out um, on Windows PC and Steam, developed by STC. Um, and uh, Richard, it's been wonderful having you on the show, chatting about Kinetic Edge. Thank you very, Thank you very, very much. And other games. And <laughs> you're more than welcome to come back to chat about what new stuff you're going to be coming up with, no doubt. Uh, Amazing. Thank to, you very much. Yeah, but until then, thank you very, very much. You too, you too. It's been great. Thanks for uh, taking the time out. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Cane and Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash Cane and Rinse for early, extended and exclusive podcasts. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube and at our website, caneandrinse.com.
Wow, 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 wow,